Whisper in the yard and turn the trees all into toys. Lay there on the ground and turn the dirt into your joy. Before you start to drift, I'm your soul brother. Whisper in the yard and turn the trees all into toys. Lay there on the ground and turn the dirt into your joy. Before you start to drift, I'm your soul begins to scream. I just wanted to tell you that you're listening to a dream. Pace's Playground. Pace's Playground Podcast. UFC 186. George St. Pierre. George, one of the reasons that is behind your hiatus is the loss of your passion for the industry. And at the end of your video documentary, we see you after the Diaz fight uh, in Thailand. Is that the kind of getaway that you have done in the past year to resource yourself? When I was after Diaz, I went in a getaway, but I went in a getaway. My getaway never was a full-time getaway. It was a getaway, but training. <laughs> I've always been like that through all my life. It's the first time in my life I had getaway, but it was getaway for, for not training, for really getaway, you know, like the pull the plug. First time in my life I was able to do that, and it allowed me to come back stronger, you know, and feel, uh, feel better. The, the worst thing for me would be to make... In a hypothetic world, you know, let's say the, the I call out a scenario. The worst scenario for me for would would be to make a comeback and make a fool of myself. That would be the terrible, terrible outcome. That's the worst thing, and I don't want it to happen. The best thing would be to make a, a comeback and being back on top of the game again. You know, that would be there. You have the worst scenario and the best scenario. In the scenario that I decide to come back, you'll be sure that I will have a great group uh, that's around me, Feras, uh, Christophe Medou, John Danaher, and, and all my training partner will make sure that I, I, I'm going to be tested in training. You know, say so if I pass the training, if I survive my training, you know, I'm talking about sparring and everything and I look good, they're going to let me fight. Otherwise, never, Ferraz will never let me fight if, if he see, if he look at me, he's like, eh, he doesn't look good because it's going to kill my reputation. Everything I have worked for, you know, for sure, if I make a comeback, you, you, you expect me to see me back, but on top of my game. And if we take the analogy of martial arts, you've done karate, kyokushin. Like a lost samurai, have you considered going back to your uh, karate, kyokushin roots to find yourself back? Yeah, I've been, I've been training more. And uh, one of the mistakes that I think I've done uh, in my career, I've, because I'm from a karate background, and I've tried to transform myself a little bit too much in Muay Thai. Now I'm back training more karate, which is better. My biggest strength in my fight people, I'm very good in my transition. You know, I, have, I think I have the best takedown ratio in the UFC. People never really understand. And I never said it why, because it was not up to my advantage to, to let them know why, you know. I wanted to keep my secret, my secret. But the reason why I was so good at that transition, it was because I'm, I'm very good at controlling the distance. You know, I'm not, I'm not uh, the best in, in the striking. I'm not the best on the ground. I'm not the best in wrestling. But when I'm... I consider myself probably one of the best or the best. I'm the best at controlling distance and then controlling the ring. And people never understood why I have so much of a good ratio of takedown. They were like, oh, he's wrestling. I mean, some my wrestling. This part of my game, I learned it from karate, but they just didn't understand it. I, I learned it from blitzing in karate, but I used the blitz instead of be like Machi Machida, use the blitz to punch, I use the blitz as a takedown. So that's uh, something that I gained from karate. Rampage Jackson. Rampage, obviously you're a veteran superstar of the sport. You had your ups and downs, change of promotions. You've had the, the lawsuits and everything. Is it hard at your stage in your career to still have fun within the industry, to still have the passion going for it and enjoy your career as an active fighter? I'm gonna be honest with you. The last time I was in the UFC, I did. I lost that. I lost the fun. They, I felt like I didn't. I didn't have fun here anymore. I, 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 that's that's why I left. It's one of the main reasons. Like, 
it just wasn't fun. It was, a, it's a lot of part that the ghost of fighting that that you don't think about when you first want to go into fighting. You you don't got you don't think of you don't think that when you go take your kids to Disneyland that a bunch of dudes gonna come up to you and try to ask you for pictures and when you try to say no I'm with my kids they get mad at you and call you names because you're with your kids who get tired of people coming up and taking pictures with you when you take or you go to eat and stuff like that and 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 a bunch of guys come up to you and just sit down next to you and think they your best friend and try to take a selfie while you eating your food and with people you just don't think about those type of things and after a while they kind of weigh on you because you want to be cool you want to be cool to your friend but then now people look at you like you're a celebrity like fighters we're different we and I we're not like Brad Pitt we're not like you know what I'm saying you know what I'm saying we we're not like Sylvester Stallone we're not you know what I'm saying we're not like Will Smith we're not celebrities we're we're fighters we're regular dudes just like everybody else but we get in the cage and fight, you know what I'm saying? So we're actually a little bit weird than other people. We're more weird than other people, you know, because we're fighting in front of millions of people. And so we're not celebrities in our, in our heads. Like, certainly like me, I'm not a celebrity. So when people come up to me and they treat me like a celebrity, it's kind of weird, kind of setting off this. And, and it makes it unfun for me because, like, I go out and I try to be a regular person and I don't tell people who I am if they don't know me. I don't wear UFC shirts. I don't walk around my chain, no. So and some girls might not even know me. So I'll be in. The, I'm a regular guy. I'll be in the bar. Be like, yeah, talking to a girl, dance to a girl. Yeah. And then some guy come up, just cut the girl off, and be like, Oh, I'm rampage. Let me get you all. Let me get a picture. And the girl like, she like, uh, she feels weird. Like, cover is spoiled. Yeah. And but then she gets mad because I don't come up tell her my job. Like, like I don't know your job. You know, I, I'm stuck. I'm stuck. So it's just that's it, it, some fun out of it. I, what I want to do is, I want to come. Put on an exciting fight, mm -hmm. and I want to excite the fans. I do. I love the fans. And then when they see me in my own personal time, just say what's up, high five, just shake my hand, and keep going. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what that's what I want. Like if I'm here at the fights and stuff, they want pictures. I'm yeah, give me pictures and stuff like that. But if I'm out when I'm with some girls or with, with my kids and stuff like that, just say what's up. Just keep <laughs> going. Like and I'd be more cool with people. Like cause cause I see a fan as a friend, and, and sometimes they take the fun out of it. And some of the things behind the scenes take the fun. But now I got the fun back. You know, now it's now it's back, and, I, and that that part like that's something I have to live with. I didn't think about that when I first started, but now I'm getting used to it. But, but if you guys got to understand, before I fought Chuck Liddell, no one knew who I was. Then after Chuck Liddell, instantly, so it's hard. Too much of a shock for you. It's then. too much of a shock. Like overnight, it's too much of a shock. It's crazy. Before then, like because I, I was fighting in Japan, I come here or I come to America or somewhere, no one knew who I was. You know, then now it's like. It's like every, everywhere. I can't even go to the gas station and pump gas and somebody come up and want a picture while I'm pumping gas. And you just don't, sometimes you just don't want to take pictures. And, and to me, it's almost equivalent of getting hit on by dudes all the time. So you, you got to think about it. When, you, when you're in the bar trying to pick up chicks and some dudes begging you to buy you a drink, like, they will bother anybody. Yeah. They will, they will bother anybody. Like, or maybe it's just their muscles. I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm a guy. I like the nightlife. I like I like the ladies. So I w I, w I wish I would have planned a, a a longer trip. But it's so hard for me to get into Canada. You know what I'm saying? It's so hard for me to get into your country. I got I got to get attorneys and visas, and I got to talk to the FBI, fingerprints. I'm like, huh, I don't know. That's why I never come for vacation. Like, damn. I talked to Dana on the phone the other day. Yeah. Dana's cool. You know what I'm saying? I think we all grew up. I had some problems with some things that that I felt like I wasn't receiving and stuff like that. And and, and Lorenzo and I, so we we talked about it. So this time, you know, if I feel like I I should receive some stuff that I wasn't getting or something like that, I I, I would talk to them about it first and see if we can fix things. Because honestly, there's a lot 
worse shows out than than there in the UFC. Like people think that MMA fighters have been treated bad and stuff like that. Like it's it's people out there that don't care. They don't they don't they don't care about you one yeah. bit. At least UFC you can you can earn a, a, a pretty good living. Other other places, man, I don't I don't see you earn no living like you can earn the UFC. Yeah. And this and this is being real. I always keep it real. Like I thought that it was something better out there. I thought, like, oh, I can go and do better. You always think you got to try though. I'm a fighter. One thing about me, I fight everything. Yeah. I was born this way. I can't I can't help it. I, I fight everything. Not only a physical fighter. I'm I'm the worst person to argue with. I'm the worst person to try to get. I'm I, I fight everything. Michael Bisping. Michael, I've talked to several fighters over the years. One of them was Josh Koscheck. And we talked about if he had a strategy to be a quote-unquote loudmouth in the industry so that he may further his own career, you know, build a character around him and uh, help him, you know, move up the ranks and be known to the fans and have a, a certain appeal to his uh, persona as a fighter. Do you apply the same strategy to yourself as an MMA fighter? No, not at all, to be honest. There isn't some grand master plan behind <laughs> what I do, you know. Unfortunately, I, I'm not that smart, you know. I'm just, I'm just doing my thing. I am who I am, you know. Um, I put my foot in it sometimes. I say the wrong thing sometimes, you know. But uh, I'm just out there doing my thing. I'm trying to provide for my family the best way I can, you know. And that's by being a fighter. Uh, I let my fight and do the talking for the most part. But you know, I do. I, you know. I drink too much coffee, I say too much <laughs> dumb shit, what can I say? Is it hard to stay um, natural when you have an entire video crew roaming around your house and trying to have a glimpse at your normal life oh, and you know, you're used to that because you're a professional fighter, but I mean, your wife, your kids, how did it go to shoot the countdown thing? Yeah, I mean, the kids have kind of got used to that, you know, it, it does take a while, you know, but but still, we come in and we always joke, oh yeah, we're just acting normal, just like normal, you know, but uh, as long as they've been alive, we've done that kind of thing, so, you know, they're, they're cool with it. How do you prepare for a fight and try to stay focused on one fight at a time? Because you have to think about a career, you have to think about a living, so how do you stay focused? That's what comes with being a professional fighter, you know, the, 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 these are the choices. This isn't a lifestyle that a lot of people could deal with, you don't understand, you know, like just this week, everything we have to deal with, the media, the pressure, the saying we're going to win constantly, of everything comes down to 15 minutes, as you say, a lifetime's work, not just 15, uh, sorry, not six months, you know. Uh, It's the pressure, the, the mind games, the self-doubt, the inner demons, everything. But saying, but showing bravado through all those things, you know, it's uh, it's not an easy task. And of course, then we have to fight at the end of it all. So, uh, but I'm pretty good at dealing with those things, and that's what comes with being a professional. And at what point in time does a fighter use this cassette? Same questions. Obviously, a lot of media don't do their research or ask the same questions over and over again. So, at what point in time do you formulate your own cassette? You're getting asked a question you're being strong you just press play your mind goes goes off and you, the mouth goes on you know to be honest for the most part I think my brain switched off uh, <laughs> most of the part I, 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 you know some of the shit that comes out of my mouth you know when I hear it back I'm like oh man did I just say that you know so uh, you know I do a lot of interviews and I say some things and I, I, I try and I try and give I try and be entertaining and then sometimes it bites you in the ass listen it's a necessary evil doing interviews and things like that but, but I, I like to do it you know you're a lot of fighters don't like to do interviews and it's like dude 
Don't you understand this business? You, tr you want people to watch you as a fighter. You want people to watch your fights. The only way you can do that is by doing, by doing a lot of interviews and getting people interested. So it's a necessary evil, and I enjoy it. You've talked to uh, major media, ESPN, you know, CNN, but we have here at Pacers Playground Podcast the ultimate question: What's happening with the Sox? With the Sox? <laughs> well. I'm representing England, my friend. Um, it's as simple as that. What can I say? The, the socks are cool. Hey, never mind my socks. What's going on with the t-shirt, man? Not only is it a bad design, it's also extremely ill-fitting and it looks like it cost about $3. Now, not that I'm a snob when it comes to the value, but it's ill-fitting, it's a bad design. Leave my socks alone, my under her. And before we leave you, may we have the honor of taking your socks and picture? Yes, you may. Go right. ahead. It's going to be on our Twitter and Facebook page. It's going to be awesome. Yes, the world famous Michael Bisbing socks. Kyoji Origuchi. Kyoji, there was an article two weeks ago on Fightland relating uh, the, the background that karate practitioners may get as the performance of katas help you in your MMA career. そうですね。あの、ま、他の選手にない距離感だったり、そのスピードだったり、入り方があるんで、それはすごい有効だと思います。Karate has a little bit unique uh, approach and technique uh, which other MMA fighter doesn't have such as the distance management and speed and how to engage the fighting. So I try to take advantage of those uh, karate background. Do you think, in your opinion, as a karateka, that performing katas helps in MMA, or uh, it just doesn't help at all? I believe the uh, the karate technique is very useful, and because nobody's seen this kind of technique in the MMA world. You said on uh, the UFC countdown video that MMA in Japan was on the way down. Do you think that started when Pride was bought out by the UFC? And do you think that it might be ironic that your current employer might be responsible for the downfall of MMA in your own country? Mm. Of course. <laughs> uh, do you know from the inside if uh, the UFC has any plans in doing a huge show, uh, maybe at the Tokyo Dome or uh, in Japan, so that it helps your sport in your uh, own country? Of course, you know, this is a great idea. If UFC has a big event in the, the venue such as Tokyo Dome, would help, but also how they promote uh, MMA as a sport in Japan. That would be a critical. Demetrius Johnson. Knowing that you're a, a huge Xbox gamer, have you played the EA Sports UFC game as yourself against Origuchi to see uh, how you would fare? <laughs> no, 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 I haven't. I, I've only played a couple of times, and, um, but no, I have not done that. Is there a game, particular game that you play uh, when you get closer to, to fight week? Maybe a Call of Duty because it's uh, intense and violent to get you in the mood? <laughs> no, 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 no. No particular game. It's whatever I'm itching to play at that, at that moment, I guess you can say. And what are you currently playing? Uh, Dark Souls 2, Scholar First Sin, and I'm playing uh, Legend of Lagaya. Only two people, oh, well, only people who go back that far would know what that is. So, 
Considering the last time the flyweights main evented a uh, UFC pay-per-view and uh, low buy rate it did, do you think that the weight division still has to establish its credibility? No, not at all. I think the last time the flyweights had that in a card, which UFC 178, I heard it did good numbers because you had a stacked card. You know, all, uh, when you read all the critics and stuff and what people say, it's it's not particularly the main event what makes people buy a pay-per-view. It's what the whole card is filled out. You know, like, for instance, obviously, you know, the Manny Pacquiao and Mayweather fight, you know, people are going to buy that because they want to see that main event. I'm not buying it. I'm not spending $100 to watch that fight. If Pacquiao wins, then I'm going to buy it because I know Mayweather's going to win the fight. Um, but I, I think the last summers we did, it was a stacked card. We had, you know, uh, Conor McGregor, uh, Dustin Poirier, uh, Eddie Alvarez versus Donna Cerrone, and the numbers did fantastic. I think this might be one of my toughest fights um, in the UFC and in my career. Um, Kyoji, he brings a different style uh, when he comes and fights. It's 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 almost like a passive aggressive kind of to where you know you watch his fights with Luis Gridnod and even Daryl Montague to where people will get frustrated when they when they try to fight him because he moves so much and typically you know you, you don't want to call it running, but if it was if it was a wrestling match, he would be called stalling for points for backing up. Um, so that's where I think that's the biggest threats that he brings. Well, this is the, you know, I know exactly what you're talking about. You know, me and Michael Bisman sit there and he goes, you know, when I talk, sh when I talk shit, you know, I'm going to go over there, I'm going to bust his face and do all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. And if I don't, I eat my words. I'm not going to eat my own damn words, you know. And he goes, you do think after I get my ass whooped, I sit back and I'm like, oh, I should never said that. I'll be that type of dude that's like, I should never said that. And when I get back home, people are like, you over there talking all that shit and you just got your ass whooped. And that's where I come from. So it's too different, you know. Like, even when I make predictions, like, I made a prediction that Anthony Perez is going to beat Rafael Dos Anjos. Then when he got worked, I felt stupid, and I was like, I never make predictions again. What the hell do I know? I enjoy this. You know, there's no pressure. I mean, a lot of people, they get worked up. They're like, oh, I mean, lose sight like, a, a good, I might even go there. But uh, no, why not? I had a good example, you know, uh, during uh, Welcome to the Show, um, huge media day, you know, and one of the champions there, they were holding their belt like it was the last thing they ever had. And I was like, fuck this. I just threw my belt. And they go, oh, my God, I can be doing it. And I was like, Dude, it's a fucking belt. Like, don't worry about it. It's like, you're gonna live. Somebody actually brought it up to my uh, attention. They're like, this is the only sport where the athletes get scrutinized for, you know, not selling stuff. And I was like, good job, buddy. Good job. I appreciate that. And then we left it at Then I brought it up to other people's attention where I was like, he's right. This is the only sport to where you never hear about anything, which makes sense because, you know, this isn't a team sport. This is an individual sport. This is Playground Podcast. Find it, hear it on SoundCloud and iTunes. Comment, react, or troll via Twitter at PlaygroundPod, Facebook.com slash PlaygroundPodcast. Email PlaygroundPodcast at Hotmail.com. PlaygroundPodcast.com.